Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody, this is Gilbert, and you're listening to Stu's Wrestling Podcast. <laughs> you're listening to Stu's Wrestling Podcast. It's time for British Wrestling Sharpshooter, your host, it's episode 99 of Shoes Wrestling Podcast, and my guest today is YouTube video content creator RGT85. RGT has over 400,000 subscribers to his YouTube channel alone, but with intermingled wrestling, he's a huge pro wrestling fan. You'll get to hear all about it, and we're going to talk first and foremost about Retromania, the game that was based around WrestleFest because they did a set design, an RGT85 set design for that, and he's had some great conversations with Stevie Richards leading up to that and being used for the game. Talk old school wrestling games as well. We talk about the Nintendo 64, WCW vs. NWO Revenge, WWF No Mercy that came out. We also talk about one of his favourites from the PlayStation era, Raw vs. Smackdown 2008. And then we intermingle the latest news with wrestling, what's been going on AEW, how RGT has found that. And we also talk about some of his favourite matches, some of his favourite characters growing up as well. So, without further ado, my guest for episode 99 of Stu's Wrestling Podcast is YouTube video content creator and huge pro wrestling fan, RGT85. Enjoy. My guest for episode 99 of Stu's Wrestling Podcast is video content creator, an all-around great guy, pro wrestling fan, and loves the world of video games, Mr. RGT85. It is my pleasure, sir, to have you on. I'm glad we are doing this. We're going to intermingle video games and pro wrestling, but more predominantly, we're going to talk about pro wrestling because Retromania approached you, and you've got your own set design on the game. So, yeah. yeah. I want to hear about that first. Welcome to the show. 
thank you for having me on and thank you for the the warm introduction most people say horrible things about me online but yeah so retromania that it's actually a little bit more of a backstory on it so probably through had to be over three years ago it's probably let's say four years ago when wwe 2k18 came out on the nintendo switch i was like this game is terrible and right around that time um for some reason stevie richards from ecw wwe impact he's been everywhere um shared one of my videos on twitter and i was just like do you know me? And he was like, yeah, I love your stuff. I'm like, dude, you're Stevie Richards. Like, this is awesome. Like, so he, um, we ended up talking cause he's a huge gamer. He was doing, um, ads for a local video game store in Philly. When he was with ECW, you could find it online. It's, it's a very funny video, but like, he's a huge gamer too. And I was like, dude, I want to have you on the channel. And he was like, okay. And so, I came up with this idea when we were reviewing, when I was reviewing WWE 2K18, I was like, you know, just, we're going to act like, you know, I'm going to like fall asleep. And when I wake up, you're going to be on my TV and I'm going to be like, well, how are you here? And then we're going to talk about the game and, you know, ex- expectations for the game. So we did that video. It was super cool. It came out well. And then Retromania came along. And originally Retromania was actually going to be a YouTuber wrestling game where they had various YouTubers in there and they were wrestling against each other. But I guess along the way, they changed it up to be more traditional, which personally I think was a great idea because you know, YouTubers are cool, but people think like a lot of YouTubers have egos. And I feel like that stigma would have just been like exemplified if they did just like a YouTuber wrestling game. Whereas, you know, if you're doing, you know, people like, you know, the Road Warriors, John Morrison, you know, a good variety of characters from different eras of wrestling, you would have a lot more uh, impact as far as your reach would be. So they were working on the game. Stevie Richards was a part of the game and they were like, hey, we want you to announce the game is coming to the Nintendo Switch. And I was like, awesome. And uh, and they were like, you know, Stevie's in it. And I was like, oh, this is great. So we redid the whole thing. And he, he was in the video. And like for that video, like something hit me in the head. And like I woke up and then he was on my TV again. I was like, are we doing this again? He's like, no, there's a new wrestling game coming out. I was like, what? And so he was, he was in that video a bit more than I was. And then I, I was just super looking forward to it because WrestleFest is like, amazing you know i have a custom arcade one-up WrestleFest because they'll never make it but like i just i absolutely love that era especially of, of wwf so um you know when they got the license to be the sequel to the game they got you know technos to sign off on i was like Dude, this is huge and then like a couple months later during the development of the game they were like hey do you want to be in the game we're doing a too many games arena which is a convention in philadelphia Delphia that I've been to a couple times as a guest and they were like we're gonna have tables set up around the ring and when you throw someone into the table the mat will change and I was like hell, hell yeah I want to be in the game like that's insane so that's how that got set up and you know it, it was just awesome like it, it was so cool to see me like with Tommy Dreamer and you know the Road Warriors and it's just an absolutely insane insane thing but like such an honor and i'm glad that the game came out really well too because like you know in the back of my mind that's something you think about if you're giving out like your name 
to something it's like well i don't want to be a part but you know just watching the development watching the team talking with the team like i could tell that they knew what they were doing and from that initial trailer i was completely on board with the game so yeah it it was crazy man it's still one of the craziest things that's definitely ever happened to me but you would be honestly surprised at how much the world of video games and pro wrestling like intermingle especially nowadays you know back if, if youtube was around in the 90s like you know, Undertaker would hit someone with like a whiskey bottle for, for playing a video game in the back. But now it's just, you know, it's so intertwined and like so many wrestlers like end up following me and telling me, Oh, yo, I love your videos. Like, um, uh, Sammy Guevara, Charlie Ramone, who's, um, like one of the head of AEW security guys. Like I talked to him all the time on Instagram. He's like, dude, I love your videos. Thank you so much for making your videos. I'm like, dude, thanks. And you know, it, it's definitely crazy. But yeah, Retromania is, is awesome. I'm so glad to be a part of that. Don't do yourself. And if just this, cause I tell you, I have not, as you said, as we spoke off camera, the last console I had, the last physical console was a 360. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know how your videos came up on my YouTube. It's <laughs> It's got to be the link with wrestling because I, I've lived and breathed wrestling since 1990 and uh, I love your content, sir. I really do. Thank you. I am not blowing smoke either. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to get my nephews into your content as well, but they're young and uh, I, I love it. I love it. And uh, it's testament to you that you, you're in Retromania in that way, shape and form. Absolutely. Yeah, just uh, it was crazy. And like still, I just had... um. So I just got a new place and I had to have um, there's like one or two windows that have like condensation on them. So I had some window guys come out and they were looking at the place and they're like, oh, it's a really nice place. I was like, oh, why don't you come downstairs and I'll show you this. And like I showed them this and they were just like blown away. And then because um, Retromania is also on the uh, I arcade. And I just got one of those sent to me and I made a video on it. I was like, oh, yeah, check this out. It's me. And they were like, whoa, why, how are you in the game? I was like, ah, that's cool. I bet you have to pinch yourself sometimes the way it's yeah. going. I mean, it, yeah, it, it, it's, it's ridiculous. Like where I was, you know, four or five years ago versus where I am now, it's, it's ridiculous. Like half the time it doesn't even seem real, but you know, it's, it's, it's great. Like, you know, I guess I just got a, a lucky break and everything worked out the way that I wanted it to, which usually in life, you know, you have a plan and it doesn't it doesn't ever come to fruition quite like you wanted it to. But I would say this probably far exceeded, you know, everything I thought would happen. You've worked hard, man. You've worked hard to get where you are and it's fully deserved. It's fully... What's your favorite wrestling game of all time? I've got my own favorite. I'm going to go see you first and I'm going to tell you after what my favorite wrestling game is of all time. I can give you a top four because they're very interchangeable in my opinion. Um, two are easy, no mercy and um, WCW NWO revenge. Only reason I say WCW NWO revenge is because I love the roster in that game. It's so good. And obviously no mercy expanded upon some of the gameplay mechanics, but I just, I always come back to revenge. Um, WrestleFest, of course, I love arcade wrestling games, and that's pretty much the pinnacle. And um, SmackDown versus Raw 08, because I am a huge Sabu fan, and they put Sabu in that game, and that's like, well, I think what I think the next year's one had his moveset in it, but they took him out of the game. But that's the only game where you could do something like the triple jump moonsault, 
which is a very iconic move for Sabu, but that was the only game where you could use like a chair as a platform in order to to do a move. So that game always, always stuck with me because I was a huge ECW fan. And, um, you know, although it it definitely didn't go down the way it it should have gone down, I feel, because Vince is going to Vince. I definitely loved that era, especially the early era of uh, WWE ECW like I think those first six seven months were, were fantastic I actually went to a house show um, for that brand and it was like a four hour drive me and my buddy went we got ringside seats because I was like if we're driving four hours we're, we're getting ringside seats and it was just such a good show because it was at that time you had most of the ECW guys, the original still in there. You had, I remember Francine was there and she wasn't even really on TV with WWE at the time, but you also had the new guys coming up. Like CM Punk was there. He wrestled uh, Shannon Moore. I believe it was, you had the main event was Sabu versus um, big show, Paul white in a uh, tables match. You had a, it was a, a hardcore match with dreamer and Sandman versus Mike Knox and um, test. And I remember I, I like I was dressed up as Sabu. And so since we were ringside, I know we're getting off topic. Um, since we were ringside, Tess was walking around, like, you know, healing it up or whatever. And I went off on him. I was like, I will kill you. I will kill I'm crazy. And he just like got like right here. Well, really, it was like right here. And I'm just like staring at his belly button because I was a tall dude. And then when Sandman came out, like, obviously, he didn't have the Metallica song, but he did his full entrance with a with stick. He had all his beer, just pouring beer on me. I was like, this is the greatest day of my life. But, yeah, to bring it all back, SmackDown versus Raw 08, because I just I love that roster, and I loved how they incorporated, you know, Sabu's moveset, because it's a very iconic moveset. What about, what about the two SmackDown, you know, SmackDown releases for the PS1, though? Because they they are they are two of the most iconic games, so they're not in your top four. And I really thought you were going to veer towards, you know, SmackDown. Know your role. Yeah, I mean, I lo- I love I love them. I love Here Comes the Pain. I mean, the thing of it is, is like there's so many there's so many games to choose from because I mean we're not we didn't even mention like Fire Pro and stuff like that, which you know it's a bit nerdier i guess you would have to say but fire pro you could do so much stuff that's been around since the um super famicom so i mean fire pro games are awesome fire pro returns i've spent so much time on it there's uh another game that i honestly really love and nobody ever talks about is legends of wrestlemania which came out on the ps3 and the xbox 360 and it's like you have all these iconic iconic rings from the early days of you know up until like wrestlemania i think it was 14 it went up to so you have all these rings you have all these characters that look larger than life and the gameplay in the game is completely different than any other wrestling game at the time because it's more based on like almost like quick time events but the way the matches play out is much more in like a style from that you know uh, mid to late 80s, early 90s that you just don't see a lot in games. So, like, that game is awesome. Um, even, like, WCW versus the World on the PlayStation 1 was, like, a super underrated game because where it didn't have 
a lot of WCW guys. It had a ton of Japanese wrestlers and Americans that worked in Japan at the time, just under different names. Like you had the Road Warriors in that game. You had um, Stan Hansen. You had Sabu. It, it was just crazy how they got you know sort of around that roster. So, I mean, yeah, WCW. WNWO World Tour, SmackDown versus Raw. You know, here comes the pain. Or Smack, even the SmackDown versus Raw games used to be good. New, the new games are terrible. The new games are absolutely terrible. Much like, much like most of the product that WWE puts out. So I'm not really surprised. They lost. By it. They, they lost the developer though, didn't they? RGT. They lost the developer part of the way through. That is why it it, it plundered. I I'm going off uh, friends that play games. Yes. I'm getting all second hand. That game, that game went down, and it's obvious why it went down. Yeah, and they, they they tried new engines, and it just created new problems in the game. Like so many glitches. Like I, it's crazy to me that you could play a PlayStation One SmackDown game, and then you play a modern one. Let's just say WWE Two K Twenty, because that was the last one. And there's so many more glitches. And there's so much less stuff in the game versus those original games. But that also comes down to, I think, you know, competition. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Because when competition kind of goes away in any facet of life, people get complacent. And, you know, when you're the big wrestling game and there's no other company coming along producing a wrestling game, at least at the time of your release, uh, you know, you could do whatever. You can half-ass it, essentially. And, you know, people are still going to buy it. Because there's nothing else. They, they want something. They want an alternative. But if there's not an alternative being offered, they still got to get their wrestling fix. I mean, I, I would buy the games. But granted, I would buy the games going into the mindset that this is probably going to be terrible. But I can make a video out of it anyway. So it, it'll, it'll work out in the end. <laughs> revenge. Revenge. I got a bit of a backstory with Revenge when it came out. We rented it from Blockbuster before the Christmas. So obviously, it's a, it was going to be a Christmas gift. And I played it from Blockbuster on rent, and I wasn't happy with it. And my mum and dad had bought the game. The cartridge was bought, RGT. The cartridge was bought. And I didn't think it was very good. I think I was basing it off World Tour, which I played, obviously, the, the right. year prior. And uh, that was that was a big mistake because my friends ended up with the game, and then we played it for months after. And I was like, "Why did I say I didn't want it for Christmas?" <laughs> yeah, that that's rough. I remember getting the the game and the the strategy guide for it because even you know, even though everyone to do the moves, all the moves were the same. Like the strategy guide had like super cool artwork in it and like little backstories for the wrestlers and stuff. Like it was, it was such an awesome, awesome game. I, you know, staying up all night with your friends playing it and stuff like that. Just so many good memories. It's great being able to have four controllers in the system as well. I love yeah. that. I absolutely loved it. I'll tell you what we did. We made our own NWO, me and my cousin, when I realized, shit, this is a really good game. 
we had the NWO Venom. So it was navy shirts for our roster with the old Venom, with the old green. And that's, yeah. that's we had the NWO Venom. That's what we did back in 98. Oh, yeah. We would make up storylines. We would have people switch from like Wolfpack to black and white and vice versa. I remember we made like, do you remember Tybo with Billy Blanks? Um, no, no, I, I don't, don't actually. I don't it was it, it might have been only a U.S. thing. It was essentially this dude, like this big buff black dude who made like an aerobics program, but it wasn't like just, you know, run in place and stuff like that. It was essentially like karate and taekwondo infused in it. And like he made videotapes about it. And like the infomercials were all over the pit place. It was called Billy Blank's Tybo. And Tybo, it was like the biggest I'm- thing. I'm with you now. I hate to interject. Yes, there we, we go. We had those advertisements run on UK television. Buy this, so buy this. Typical American S, you know, before we, before the UK market really cottoned on to the American way of selling stuff, actually. Sorry, I've interjected. It was, yeah, it was, it was all over the place. So I'm pretty sure, I want to say it was Booker T because he had, you know, a lot of kicks. Like we would make... Uh, Booker T into Billy Blanks and like all this stuff. Like, it's just <laughs> so much fun. Just it's so ridiculous and just so many things you could do in that game. And I still play that game today. Like I, I'll bust out my N64 and and play it. And it's 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 crazy because it's still just as good as it was back then. And it's like most games they don't have that that factor. Even if you look past the nostalgia. It's like this is such a tightly constructed game with such a good roster from that era. The PlayStation people were like, oh, it's blocky, the graphics. I remember all this going on because you had your N64 staple of people in school and then you had the PlayStation people. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, it just had, you know, AJ Styles, when, when you know, Impact and TNA were doing it, they wanted to be... Yeah, they wanted it similar, didn't they? I know that game didn't really go down well, but uh, No Mercy, just coming on to No Mercy, my cartridge used to lose the saves. There was oh, a, yeah. There was an issue. Was your cartridge all right? Did everything... No. St- no. Right, my I, my, I my current it, cartridge that I have now still does it. I, I thought it was just like a, a, a PAL thing over here. No, it's actually... It, it's, a, it's a worldwide thing, and it's actually a pretty common issue as far as just and sometimes it'll happen very quickly sometimes it'll take months and months but i mean there have been times where i popped in my no mercy cartridge and i'm like i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure i made a couple wrestlers here and now they're gone and the thing of it is it took a while to make a wrestler in that game so you put a lot of time and effort into you know picking the right face and making sure he looked as close to the wrestler as you could and then you have the whole move set as well that you had to pick every single move and then just to lose everything it was just like there's only a handful of people where their cartridge is all right and we we have a consumer program which still runs today and it made the news on watchdog on the bbc oh yeah yeah i've heard of watchdog but the cartridge lost you know you lost your data but only one of my friends their cartridge is fine but it made yeah. it, it made mainstream news about it oh yeah it was a, it was a big deal i mean it's still it's still talked about you know in the modern era because you know so many people still play in 64 thankfully you know you, there's emulators and mm. stuff like that where 
that's a whole nother world where they do like texture packs and move hacks and stuff for the game. So everything stays saved. But yeah, as far as the, uh, the OG cartridge goes, like, no, that's a, that's still a, that's still a problem today. Right. I'm going to move away from video games because you do it day in, day out. Yep. Primarily, <laughs> primarily you're on Stu's wrestling podcast to talk about wrestling. Right. I don't know this. Who are some of your favorites of all time? Okay, so even though he's a bad person, I don't care because to me, Hulk Hogan and Terry Boela are two separate people. Hulk Hogan, obviously, if you are in your mid-30s and beyond, Hulk Hogan's going to be in your list. RVD, Sabu, because I just loved ECW from that time frame because it was so innovative and it was so different than everything that was on mainstream TV. Um, Shawn Michaels, Huge Shawn Michaels fan. Um, Colin Nash, pretty much, you know, the click. Like, even Triple H to some extent. Like, I, I, I do like him. Um, let, me, let me think of some more modern guys. So, like, currently, huge fan of Eddie Kingston. I've actually followed Eddie Kingston for quite a while. And to see his journey. And just even, even because a lot of people on Twitter like to say that I look like him. And, like... <laughs> Even like our light, like he just did that really big article um, with some website and just reading it. It's eerie how like similar our life paths have been and just like, I don't know, it's really bizarre to me. Oh, hold on. I don't know who this is. Stop calling me. Shut up. All right, there we go. Um, oh, wrestler, is it? <laughs> yeah, it might be. It, it was from PA. Um who else? Uh, Sting. I love Sting. I still love Sting. Every time he comes out, he's really good. I really like um, uh, Daniel Garcia. I think he's he's really cool. Something, there's something about him. I know they've positioned him. I know he's wrestled Punk. That not yeah. to you know. I'll make my own mind up about people. I don't need to. Uh, oh my god, he's he's on Rampage. Uh, there is something about that that kid. There's something about him. Well, it, to me, it's like he has like. His 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 movement style and his facial animations remind me a lot of low key, and he's like from a wrestler standpoint, he's a very you know Kurt Angle, Chris Benoit style wrestler. So it's a very interesting blend of of two different you know styles just in his demeanor. But yeah, I, I really like. I think he, I think he has a, a very bright future. Um, who else? I mean, uh, Penta and. Um, nice. You know, Penn and Phoenix are awesome. I like Will Hobbs, too. I think he has a lot of upside as just, like, the big Hoss guy. Uh, WWE, modern WWE. I mean, I, I like Seth Rollins a lot. You know, people, you know, don't like his gimmicks, but whatever. Like, I think his gimmicks can be good. And, you know, he, um, he puts on a, a great match regardless of what he's doing. Um who else do I like in WWE? I mean, Kevin Owens is cool. Uh, it's just WWE to me, modern WWE. It's just like when I realized I could go two months without watching it and then tune in and know exactly what's going on. It lost a lot of luster for me. Um, so I really, I really don't watch WWE all that much. Now, I will say their last blood money show, the Saudi Arabia show that was actually a really good show, the just best. from a wrestling. It was uh, the from- best. 
It's the best yeah. one they've done. By yeah, I hate to I hate to interject. No, you're good. Uh, pre previous to that, everyone's like you know thinking, oh, this is just this is just for money, and it you know even even Lesnar, you know, and and Goldberg, the people that were on it, and lastly, I I am in full agreement with you. It was solid. It was solid. Um, Rollins and Edge ending the feud. Mm-hmm. No, that's WrestleMania caliber. But they'll never make yeah. the money. They'll never make the money that they make over there. Now times have changed. Oh no. Yeah, it's like one of those shows is like I think I could be wrong in saying this, but I swear I read that one Saudi Arabia show generates more money than every WrestleMania has combined. Jesus. And it wouldn't surprise me because it's not like they're just getting gate, you know, and merch sales or whatever. They're getting literal money just to put on this show in terms of billions. Uh other wrestlers I like, I've actually been watching a lot of uh GCW lately. I, I really like them. I like I loved what they did with Matt Cardona, having him come in as like the Hollywood guy, but then putting on the death match with with Nick Gage. I also love Nick Gage. I think there's definitely a lot of talent in GCW, and it's interesting because with with ROH kind of you know shutting down shop at least temporarily or whatever, um, you know they're really benefiting from that. You know. I think everyone should have realized something was up with ROH when the Briscoe brothers went in there and won the tag titles. Because as long as the Briscoes have been in ROH, they never did any indie dates. They never did anything sort of outside of that. So that should have been like a huge red flag. But I don't think anyone picked up on it because they were just like, oh, you know, it's a lot, it's a much looser policy nowadays with, with open doors and whatnot. You know, people can work wherever. But you know, that was definitely sad to see ROH, you know, go under because I mean, so many guys come from there. Like it's pretty all, much everyone. It's all to do with Sinclair. That yes, it's it's all to do with the broadcaster. And I'll read the dirt sheets. But I, I have my own philosophy on it and what I think. And uh, you know, they've just been it's just been shipped around broadcasters right the way through since two thousand two. You know, yeah. And it's sad. It's very. It's very sad. It's very sad. Um, you know, I, I'd like to see Dalton Castle and see where he goes, but it's, it's, it's gone a bit quiet on him. But he, he's got something. I've said it from the day, Dot. I've been a fan of his. You know, uh, beating Cody for the title was incredible. Uh, that, yeah. guy, that, that guy's got something, but he might get lost in the shuffle if he went elsewhere. Danhausen. Love that Danhausen. Oh, my God. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. The, the gimmick. <laughs> The gimmick, yeah, the gimmick is is um, the, is amazing. <laughs> it, it's a once in a lifetime gimmick, and he plays it mm. to a T, like just twenty four seven. You know, if he's if there's a video camera in his, I saw he did one um, interview out of character on uh, I think it was Chris Van Vliet's channel, and uh, that was you know it's just so weird because you're so used to him being in character, but yeah, uh, he just he broke his leg. Him and uh, Mance Warner. They both broke their legs at the same show as, like, you know, ROH is, is going down. Mance just got out of his MLW oh. contract. Such a shame. I also like um, Brian Pillman Jr. I think Brian Pillman Jr. will be a huge star because he has, he has a good pedigree. He's shown that he can do a flip-flop from, you know, that white meat baby face heel to a... Um, 
to more like his dad's heel style like he did in MLW. I would love to see, which I, I, I think they should pursue this AEW because, because of what's going on right now. With, Her- with uh, Harry Smith Jr. getting canned from WWE Unbelievable. Recently, Unbelievable. Bring, what, a, you, what a mistake. What a mistake, guys. You essentially do what, what MLW did. You bring him in, all right? And you got, you got Pillman Jr., you got Davey Boy Smith Jr., all right? You have Griff Garrison. He could be like your outside guy. They have the cheerleader, Julia Hart. Technically, she's not a real heart, but that's fine. And then you bring in Jack <laughs> Evans because Jack Evans has so many ties to yeah. that scene. You have Bret Hart, who's worked with the company before. You have Bret come in, do a promo with them, be like, this is the new Hart Foundation. You have the Owen Cart tournament or cup, I think they're calling it, coming up next year. It's like, give me a new Hart Foundation. The, give them the ball and let them – you love factions – this would be the perfect faction for you guys. I don't know if they'll pull the trigger on it, but I told uh, Pillman on Twitter, I was like, they need to do this. And then he retweeted it. So at least the, at least the notion is out there. RGT, he was a former guest at this show as well. Last was year. he? Yes, he was. Dude, yes, he was. That- I will send it to you. I, I know you're a busy man, but Pillman, Pillman and me got on like a house on fire. You know, that, that's just, it, it's a given. It's a given when you come on this show. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was just, you know, I was a fan of his before the dark side of the ring, but yeah. after watching that dark side of the ring, I, I wanted to like give him my wallet and be like, yeah. you, you deserve this. Like, why, holy hell. Why, why are they pissing about with him uh, as a face? Cause we know, we know we can do it. He, he did it. Yeah. With Ted, he did it with Teddy. He did it with, he did it with Davey boy Smith jr. Over in MLW. Then they turned him face. Didn't they? We've going yep. up against Hammerstone and Holiday and MJF. Uh, yeah. Why? Why do it? Because they I had don't know. so much heat. They had so much heat. I know you can only have so many heel factions. I get that at a time. I, I think it wouldn't have made a lot of sense if he was a heel and that dark side of the ring came out, though, because nobody's going to boo yeah. him. No, no, no one is going to boo him because it's like you see his story and you're like, oh, my God, like I sympathize. Like he could, you know, kick a kitten across the ring and people would be like, yeah, you earned, you deserved it. Because like you can't you can't just hate on it. But yeah, I think one of the things I like about AEW, though, because here's the problem with AEW. And it's actually not a problem with them. It's a problem with how we've been conditioned for the past 20 years as WWE being the main source of television. You, when you see something and it doesn't make sense, you don't assume that it'll ever get fixed. You don't assume that it'll ever come around full circle because of how WWE handles things. They do the most nonsensical things in the world. So you lose trust. And I feel like AEW being such a new company like the whole hangman page story where people thought you know the elite were never going to get their comeuppance hangman wasn't going to beat omega for the belt at the pay-per-view and stuff it's you know the story took too long because you know and and it's just like they don't people are so conditioned to expect the worst with these storylines and expect the worst outcome and a non-logical outcome whereas aew not a perfect company there's tons of stuff that they've screwed up on there's tons of stuff that i would like to see them change but that's just from a selfish perspective i think in the overall grand scheme of things they understand storytelling they understand how to get 
sympathy, how to make you feel an emotion, how to get you invested into a feud. Whereas it used to be WWE was, or, and even WWF was awesome at that. Like think of how many programs you had, you know, in the nineties, the early two thousands that took months, years. And even, even when those programs were done, they would still harken back to them, you know, uh, stuff like, um, I forget what the hell the, the name of the tag team was, but like Tito Santana and um, Rick Martel's tag Strike Force. Strike Force. And when Strike Force broke up, it would be like 91, and it would be in the Royal Rumble. It'd be like, oh, Tito Santana and Rick Martel. Remember, they were Strike Force, like all right after each other. And it's just like, <laughs> you don't have that anymore. There's no, there's no long term storytelling. There's no, you don't really feel that incentive to tune in every week because they just change things on a whim. So, you know, it's, it's definitely, we've been preconditioned to expect the worst. And when the best happens, it's like, I don't, I don't think people know how to react. They're like, well, what this, this, I, I, where's the, where's the swerve? Where's the, the nonsensical ending? Why is there a proper ending to this? And, you know, I think AEW, their roster is so big right now. And that's a brilliant thing because people are like, well, where's so-and-so? They're wasting so-and-so. It's like, no, you, you don't get it. And, and you should understand this, but it's interchangeable. There's a reason why you could see a guy, you know, and then like for two months, like, okay, uh, Lance Hoyt, you know, um, or Archer, excuse me. He was, uh, he was a hot commodity for like two months and then he'll go away for a couple weeks and then he'll, you know, he'll do the, he'll do the, the YouTube shows and then he'll come back, but he hasn't lost any of his heat. He hasn't lost anything to it because they haven't given him a reason to lose that, that stuff. It's just, they, they cycle people in and out. It's like a, it's a never ending door, but it keeps things fresh. It keeps you seeing new faces. It keeps you seeing, you know, like Jay lethal, Jay lethal out of absolutely nowhere comes in, puts on one of the best matches of the year with Sam Guevara last I haven't night. seen it yet. I haven't oh, seen it yet. Dude. I, I, can, I can ascertain where that was going. But, uh, one it, of... it, so good. So, it, just yeah. so, great yeah. storytelling. Yeah. Just um, amazing. Amazing match. And it's just like, that's the fun thing about it is it sort of harkens back to that era of wrestling, mm. you know, the, the late nineties where you don't know who's going to show up on TV. You don't know who's going to debut. You know, it, the only people that debut in WWE nowadays are the old people are the people that you remember from those nineties time frame, And it's like lucky land casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky, lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha. In my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
it was exciting the first time. Uh, the second, third, fourth time, you know, kind of kind of lost a little bit of its luster. But it's like it just sucks because you don't have that 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 Rick Rude on, on Nitro and Raw moment. You don't have Lex Luger showing up at the Mall of Minneapolis or Mall of America, mm-hmm. whatever they call it. You don't have Chris Jericho debuting in front of the Rock anymore. It's just like it sucks. It's it's it just sucks. Can I be honest with you? Can I be deeply yes. honest with you? I know a lot of my friends are like, Attitude Era, Attitude Era. My favorite time was 90, so about 94, 95. My, yeah. per- my personal preference. That was my personal, personal preference. Um, well, the thing of it is, is the Attitude Era wasn't, isn't my favorite. Because during the, the, the Attitude Era, well, when, when the Attitude Era was hot, I was watching Nitro. I was watching the NWO and the Sting story and, you know, all that stuff and Wolfpack and all that stuff. Like I would tune into to raw a little bit, but that was really just during the commercial breaks because I preferred what WCW was doing. And really when WCW started just going down the toilet, I would watch WWE a little bit more, but it, it almost like lost my passion. I, I would say it really did lose my passion in wrestling. That didn't actually come back until TNA started sort of catching on fire. And then I started following them. Uh, but yeah, like I, 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 when it comes to, to WWF stuff, my favorite stuff is from that time frame. you know, that, that wrestle fest, you know, Hogan warrior, savage Zeus, like even even the the random people that they would bring in and stuff like that, you know, the whole Hogan defeating a monster, you know, it, it for some reason it just never got old until you know he handed it off to Warrior and then you know it, it tried to usher in a new era. Of course, that really didn't work. But you always had you always had a good variety. Like if you watch an, an old wrestling pay per view from that time frame, like yes, you have the standard. 80s style matches lots of rest holds and stuff like that but then you had people like you know savage michaels hart steamboat uh dibiase on the uh steiner brothers like on the undercard who are just doing these awesome matches and then you also have the the story-based matches and the more emotional stuff everything just felt bigger It, it felt larger than life during that time frame it was easier back then it was easier it, I didn't have satellite for a long time. I budgeted my dad. Got to get Sky, WWF, WWF. So right. I, I had stuff, tapes of VHS, but we had four terrestrial cha- channels in the UK. And that's what you that's what you watched. You know, WC, yeah. WCW Worldwide, that's all I got on a Saturday and Sunday. Obviously, I went to my cousin's house to watch WWF you know, through the satellite. But there's just too much going on now. It's the way of the world. I understand that, the internet and all that. You watch what you watched and you, you, you enjoyed it. There's just too much There's too much going on. Um, I'm still the mindset, as much as wrestling's, you know, doing really well worldwide, I just feel it's a different time. It's a different time now. It the is. Way, the way we consume everything. That, it's as simple as that. It was as simple as that for me. Well, it's, I don't know how you it- feel. No, I, I agree because you also have this whole, you know, for lack of a better term, ADD generation where it's like 
you know, everyone instant gratification, instant, instant, instant. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait. I want this. I want this. Oh, now I'm moving on to this. It's like people just seem to have like short attention spans. Also, I want to clarify something because as I'm I'm thinking this back, I didn't mention any <coughs> women's wrestlers, and I I'm I'm not trying to get canceled out here as some of my favorite wrestlers. I'm not trying to get canceled, so we're gonna briefly mention some women's wrestlers that I really enjoy. Uh, Bull Nakano. Unbelievable. Amazing. Unbelievable. Uh, uh, Unbelievable. Just, Unbelievable. Sorry to cut in. Sorry to no, cut in. No, no. So good. Mm-hmm. I, I love Bull Nakano. I love Thunder Rosa currently. Her and Britt uh, Baker's essentially death <laughs> match was just so good. Um, uh, Deanna Perrazzo. I think she's amazing. Um, who else really catches my attention? Uh um, uh, well, more character work based. Uh, Sherry Martell, Luna Vachon. Oh. I I loved. Them. They were so good. Just such over the top characters. Miss Elizabeth, even you know, as the damsel in distress, she played that to a T. Uh, you know, there's there's so many, but definitely like out of my top three. You know, uh, I will stop what I'm doing to watch a, a Bull Nakano match. Like even her matches against Alundra Blaze. I guess you got to put Alundra Blaze Medusa in there too during the wwf when you know women's wrestling was you know essentially a throwaway for a lot of people you watch those matches those were some of the best matches on the card Mm -hmm. like it was crazy what they were putting on like just high flying high impact stuff i used to really like um hamada too um she was in uh tna slash impact but i don't know evidently she got she got caught with like nose candy or something in Japan and got in like a bunch of trouble. Oh my days, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what was nice, just to keep it, you know, within the realms of women's wrestling. I obviously watched Luna Vachon's Dark Side of the Ring, and you know, mm-hmm. we've heard we've heard about her, uh, you know, various times. She's like the plane ride from hell. It was all rehashed stuff, but then there was stuff that got people in trouble. Uh, most notably, Tommy Dreamer. Anyway. That's yeah. a story for another day. <laughs> Dream is a legend. It doesn't matter. You know, Ric Flair is Ric Flair. But Luna, you know, Luna Vachon, that, that's one of the best dogs out of the rings they've actually done. I know we're three seasons in now. And the fact that Medusa was willing, you know, was willing to drop drop the belt, you know, she was willing yeah. to drop the belt to her in Canada. Uh, Luna, what, what a talent. And she was hard. She was as hard as the men, much akin to how Sherry was. The, the, yeah. the men, the men were scared of them because they were because yeah. they were hard as fuck. <laughs> yeah, like they, they, they were they were like legit. Like I, I wouldn't mess with them. Like that, that's crazy. Um, I will say, kind of two separate topics. The NWA women's pay per view that they did, spec fucking tacular. Mm-hmm. That I bought yeah. that show combined with the with the other I think it was NWA 74 that they did because it had a yeah it yeah. had a good it had a good discount if you got both shows and I was like yeah sure I'll check it out that show from from opening bell to closing bell I was like holy shit this is one of the best shows I've seen all year like they went out there and killed it the matches were good just everything about it was good and also one of the most underrated dark side of the rings has to be the canyon one. That was so, that was an emotional roller coaster. And it's like I, I remember after I watched that, I went on Twitter and said, 
can we give Father James Mitchell, the sinister minister, some mm-hmm. credit for being a, a, a good human being? Because that man has been in every company. That man has been in every single wrestling company. WCW, AEW, Impact, uh, everywhere. He's been everywhere. And you never really hear anything bad about him. He just seems like a natural, genuine dude. Like, mm-hmm. even telling those stories about him in Canyon, it's like, you could tell, like, this is this is a, a down-to-earth guy who's just, you know, loves being in the business. And I was just like, that's that story was crazy. You had to feel... You had to feel so bad for Cannon. So you saying the way Undertaker treated him, that all came out, didn't it? You know, uh, yeah. when he absolutely hammered him. But yeah, Father James Mitchell, you know, and thinking back to like when he was with Tajiri and Mikey Whiprack, mm-hmm. and, and more latterly, just a bit more later to that, Abyss. He is, he is vastly underrated. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I even thought he was awesome when it was it was uh, Wrath and Mortis, and like they had the 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 Mortal Combat look going on in WCW, and he was their manager. Like that was such a, a cool look. Obviously, wrestling was kind of going into that more realistic mm. era, so they kind of were, you know, they got screwed and Glacier got screwed and stuff like that. But I thought that stuff that was so cool. Like such a such an interesting because he, he's a guy that you look at him and you're like, all right, there's, there's something with this guy. Like, who is this guy? Like he, he casts intrigue. He doesn't just look like, you know, a random body. And that's another thing that's wrong with pro wrestling is that we seem to have gotten rid of like the, the different variants of body sizes, you know, like there, there's no, you know, everyone has to be like jacked to the, well, I mean, at least in WWE, you know, you gotta be jacked to the gills. You gotta have a certain look. It's like, the the high era of WWF and WWE, whether whether you're talking about the Attitude Era or you're talking about the um, you know the late '80s '90s era, was the fact that so many people looked so different. You had big fat guys, you had big tall guys, you had short guys, you had you know there was there was different looks to people. You had your your guys that looked more normal, and it's like I feel like that's sort of a, a lost thing because. You know, visually speaking, that's what you're going to notice about someone. That's why I like someone like uh, Will Hobbs, Powerhouse Mm -hmm. Hobbs, because he's just like this big dude with a nasty snarl. And like you see him in a crowd of people and you're like, yo, okay, Darby Allen, same sort of thing. Why does this guy have half of his face painted? I don't know. I'm intrigued. Let me find out more. And it's just like it's kind of a, a lost, a lost thing. I feel it's just just the look and care. I mean, like we were saying with uh, Danhausen. I mean, Danhausen is a very solid wrestler. Like he, he's, his matches are very entertaining, but you're there for the character work. Mm-hmm. You're there because you see this guy and you're like, "Who is this guy? What, what is with the face paint? Why does he have a cape on? Why does he have a jar of teeth? Why is he jan- dancing to tequila from the the Pee Wee Herman movie?" And like, you want to know more about him. You become more invested in the character, and I just feel like that's something that's a bit of a lost art in wrestling nowadays very very clever because we've seen so much we've seen so much be done within the business and that, that's clever that's clever because you're asking yourself questions about his character and uh, you know yeah. we've seen it we've seen stuff regurgitated time and time again so if any anyone can come through original i stand by this that i'll say it time and time again if anyone can come across a bit original it's like mjf it's like mjf i was only speaking to my friend today um, he's like, do you think CM Punk? Do you think CM Punk will let him go over? I said, damn right, damn right, MGF's going over, damn right, Punk. Yes, Punk 
Punk will take a loss. Punk will take the first loss to him because they're propelling him. He's going to be in and around the title picture. He, he, it's a title shot, surely, for him. Um, CM Punk will not win that match. I don't think, and I don't think, uh, Brian, I, I, what they need to do is if they can hold off long enough, you do Punk and MJF and um, Hangman and uh, Brian Danielson at the same pay-per-view and have both of the established guys lose. And it's like, you're made. You're, you're set for life in, in AEW. You are now the legend of AEW. Plus it, you know, that's one thing. I Sometimes I feel like the first loss takes a little long with some AEW guys that come in as new because it kind of, and once again, it's just because of WWE programming our minds, but you kind of feel like that, that the, the chance of someone losing, you know, diminishes a bit more when they start getting wins. Like when Miro and Guevara wrestled for the belt, I thought Miro was just going to win and keep going, but you know, to see him lose and, you know, lose to an AEW guy that's, you know, been there since day one. It's like, that's a good thing that that's a good thing for the business because you know, you want, you want people to have weaknesses. You want people, if everyone is just a dominant person and wins everything, like it worked for Goldberg, but that was because it was the first time you'd ever seen anything like that. And, you know, trying to, trying to recreate that sort of stuff. Also complete aside, just random, but you know what pisses me off the most right now in professional right. wrestling? Fire away. You've got to fire away because I know you'll get it off your chest anyway. Braun Breaker. I, I will only accept that his name is Braun Breaker if he said, I don't want to be called a Steiner brother on, or a Steiner brother's son on television. If, looks- that's, if that's the reason, I will accept it. If there's any other fucking reason in the world that company needs to burn, <laughs> he it, looks it, he looks like his dad, number one, and he sounds like his uncle, and he's wearing that bright that bright singlet. And uh, also, what the fuck is going on with NXT? Oh my god! The whole Who knows? Just just keep it as it was. I do not understand it. Vince got his mucky paws in it, and Kevin Dunn, from a producing standpoint. And I, I can't, uh, as much as I'm chuffed, sorry, I'm jumping in. I, no, I'm, I made up for Bron. I made up for Bron, uh, you know, but yeah, why, why not call him a Steiner in your mind? If, if, if it's his wish, that's fine. But to hear the stupid ass commentators say, he's got a dog face gremlin look to him. I'm like, Jesus Christ, you call him a Steiner <laughs> right now. Like, it makes no, I, like I get that they have heat with Scott Steiner. Get the fuck over it. We're not talking about his uncle. We're talking about his father, Rick Steiner, who you don't have heat with. Like, you could have Rick Steiner come in for, you know, as a manager for him, as a one-off thing or something like that. It would make sense. But just to, I, I hate, I hate how the WWE refuses nine times out of 9.9 times out of 10, refuses to, uh, acknowledge that anything exists beyond them anything anything exists beyond they they won't do it they're like oh look at this blue chipper and it's like no he, he's not a blue the, uh, joe gacy you know joe gacy that's a cz that was the guy a czw champion that's a twisted motherfucker acknowledge that he did cz what is saying czw on wwe tv going to do is it going to make czw relevant uh, relevant again no 
because DJ Hyde has screwed that up beyond repair, and now you have GCW. You're talking about essentially a defunct promotion. Say their name. Say where this individual came from. I, I don't... I don't understand it. And that's one thing I like about AEW is they don't treat you like you're a fucking idiot. They're like, this is Jay Lethal. He has won 20 titles in various companies throughout the years. He is a well-known wrestler. It's like, thank you. I know that. I am well aware. Like when they did the, um, the, open, uh, the open challenge with uh, Cody Rhodes, you know, you had indie wrestlers mm-hmm. come in and wrestle him, you know, people like, well, at the time, Eddie Kingston wasn't signed. Ricky Starks wasn't signed. War Horse. You know, you have these, these guys come in, and it's like, this is, this is great. Even, even on Dark, like, they have, you know, tons of indie wrestlers on there. And they acknowledge. They acknowledge that these people are known in certain places. And it's like, why can't you do that? Why do you treat me like I'm four years old and you are the only thing in the world? It's so egotistical. Forbidden door. The forbidden door was ajar, and and it changed. And it just changed the way. Um, I don't watch dark. I don't watch elevation. I did do early on. Um, I just worry. I just worry that Tony Khan is acquiring too many guys now. Uh, that is my only worry. Uh, you know, Brian Cage. Brian Cage, and I know it's been, you know, brought up in the IWC about it. That's easy to say. This guy's getting lost. This guy's getting lost. And I love I love the fact we're seeing Adam Cole, you know, and, and people like that. Yeah. There's just too the, the roster's gonna be far too big. Am I well, am I am I wrong in saying that? I don't know. I don't think so, but I think the benefit is is that they're not locked in to AEW. You Brian Cage just won the XPW. Yes, XPW is back. He just won the <laughs> oh XPW title at a show. Like, that's the one beauty about it is, like, there are people, because I have a few friends that work with AEW, and well, they can't tell me, like, specifics and things like that um, from a wrestler standpoint. But, like, most of the contracts are very lenient. And so if you want to go work some indies, go, go work some indies, go make some money. But if we want to put you on television or we want to put you in a main storyline, you got to, you know, just don't do those bookings or, you know, don't take bookings during this time frame. So I feel like that's one of the reasons why they hire so many people. So it's like, you know, you, you could be on national television, you could be a part of our brand, but you can also go and do your own thing. John Moxley won the, the fucking GCW mm-hmm. title while working for AEW. Like he showed up at like, I think defy wrestling as well. Like it's a very, it's a very loose policy. So I feel like that benefits, but I do feel like sometimes they, they do hire too many people, but Brian cage, he's weird to me. I, I, I like him. I definitely like him. I definitely think he has a great look, but I, I don't feel like he has a character. And I don't feel like he's ever really had a character. He's just like California ripped guy who does like luchador moves and stuff like that. And it's like, I would rather see him do a more ground-based power style and just be like, I'm the strongest in the world. And then when he talks in the mic, it's kind of like, <laughs> I see why. I see why some places haven't hired you before. Cause he's not that great on the mic, but you know, he definitely should have a bit of a bigger role, but, you know, uh, it, it is interesting, though, because, you know, for as much flack as people gave WWE for essentially signing up everyone, 
now that they're letting so many people go and other companies are signing up these people, it's like, well, are you signing too many people? You know, are you bringing too many outsiders in to just sort of dilute your brand? I think AEW has done a good job thus far, but once again, you know, we're still in the, the early stages of this company. Like this company shouldn't be as big as popular and as, as, you know, relevant, uh, it shouldn't be this this way in, in, a, in a natural thing. It should still be, you know, just kind of like a super indie. But when you start talking about national television and stuff like that, obviously it changes. So, you know, I think they'll 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 do all right though, because like someone like Joey Janela, Joey Janela hasn't been on TV. Where, where where is he? This is what I want to know. Well, he, he um well he was doing stuff on Dark with this um girl Kayla Rossi. I don't know if you're familiar with this freak of nature. But this is like, so she, she's not very tall. She's probably five six five seven. She kind of has that, that China build to her, though, like very big. And she's insane in the ring. She's like a, um, like a fitness gymnast person. And she hasn't done a match yet. But like basically because Janela and Sonny Kiss had like their little feud. So Janela brought in this Kayla Rossi check. Kayla Rossi comes in. The first move she does is... Uh, Janela lays out Sunny Kiss, puts a chair on top of him, and she does a, a, a moonsault, but lands on her feet, like a, a flat-footed moonsault, not, not off the top rope, just on the ring, lands on her feet and, like, drives the chair into Sunny Kiss, and I'm like, that, that was one of the most amazing things I have ever seen. Then, like, a couple weeks later, she does a, um, a Phoenix Splash uh, uh, off the top rope, and I'm like, what the hell? She did, she did a... Um, uh, Joey Janela and Crowbar had a match on Dark when um, Dark was uh, when the AEW was in Philly, and she did a top rope Hurricane Rana on Crowbar. It landed on her feet like it was nothing, and I'm like, "You are a freak of nature. You are amazing. I want to see you in a full match. You, you know, that sort of Jade Cargill sort of thing to her. Whereas Jade has the power. This girl is just like amazing athletically. But going back to Joey Janela. I feel like he's he's just doing a lot with GCW, and he from what I've seen on Twitter, he's actually been like working out a lot to get more in TV shape. But like I I don't feel like a lot of, a lot of the people that sign with AEW, I don't feel like they necessarily care all that much. It's like you know, it's not a very egotistical thing where I want to be on the top of the card. Of course, you want to be on TV. You know, it makes sense because you know you're increasing your brand value. But I feel like. And like I said, I've never been told any specific numbers or anything like that, but it seems very lucrative to work with AEW, even if a regular on dark who's, who's never been on TV, maybe you never won a match. Those people are still getting paid very, very well from what I've been told. Cause I'm friends with some of those people and they're like, dude, I'm, I'm making good money. So, you know, I, I think it's just, a, it's kind of a different thing, but once again, it is very interchangeable as well as far as bringing in wrestlers and characters that maybe you haven't seen in a couple weeks. And, you know, they just can just interject them right into the card. And for some reason, it just always seems to work and it, it always seems to make sense. You know, you were talking about time frames and like how we remember feuds and it went on for months and months. We had the four pay-per-views, didn't we? All right, King of the Ring came mm-hmm. in the in the fully-fledged King of the Ring. They were doing it for years prior anyway, weren't they? But 93, it became a pay-per-view. Um, right. Just going back to Punk and Kingston, 
it's it's like it, it was they did it they did it with two or three weeks worth of build and it was the best of ever as much as i like a slow build and you know you're accustomed to a slow build you're you're 100 right like that was one of the most that went from nobody thinking about it to i want to see this match now like but that's that's also a testament to the to the two of them i mean they're the grizzled veterans of the roster who can still go. So they, you know, they're known for their, their mic work, but I do like it because it gives you a blend. You have the short-term storytelling and then you also have the long-term storytelling. And it's like, um, going back to, um, what we were just, uh, talking about, um, well, not just talking about, but with Eddie Kingston, he, and, uh, Daniel Garcia, he was doing, Oh, I don't want to spoil it for you. No, yeah, no, 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 no. You can say it. You can say it. it doesn't matter. Okay. The Americans post everything anyway <laughs> on Facebook and ruin it for me because I can't stay well, up. I can't stay up at 1 a.m. anymore. I used to do that as uh, a kid. I could watch no, everything. No, I don't blame you. No. But Sorry. On, on, on AEW last night, Shivani was backstage with Eddie Kingston, and Eddie Kingston started giving a promo talking about you know how he felt about the punk thing. And then 2.0 and Daniel Garcia walked up on him and interrupted him. He went off on him, and then Garcia kind of started to get a little buck with him. And, he, and Kingston was like, I know you. You're from Buffalo. You know, you're in New York. You know how we handle this. And then, bam, right there and there, you, you have a feud between Eddie Kingston and Daniel Garcia. I think they might be wrestling on ramp. No, I don't think they are. I think, I think they might try to extend that a little bit. But, like, these feuds, and you'll see there's a very interesting match happening on Rampage for a new feud that I don't – I could give you a hundred guesses and I don't think you would guess it. Like, I, I don't think if you took, if you took all of the AEW roster and you thought of, hey, I'll even give you who the main guy is. Darby uh, Allen. If I gave you a hundred guesses, I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get it right. Who, and I'm, I'm well versed in pro wrestling. I've been since 1990, but no, you're all right. It'd probably take me 101 guesses actually. No, it'd take you more because the match on Rampage is Darby Allen versus, wait for it. Drop it in. Drum roll. Billy Gunn. What the fuck is going exactly. on? Exactly. And no it, disrespect to Billy Gunn, but give it to, give it to Austin Gunn. Give it to No, the, but that's the thing. Like, why? I'm sitting here and I'm like, I want to see this match now. Like, uh, Darby yeah, Allen yeah, versus yeah, yeah. Um, the Ass yeah. Man? Like, What? It's such an interesting, but that's like what Darby Allen is doing stuff with the gun club now. And it's just, you know, these feuds just pop up out of nowhere. And sometimes they last a while or sometimes they just go away. It's totally different. And you know what? I knew it from, I knew it from the start, not to say they were ever going to be as quick on the trajectory getting people in, but Tony Khan. And it's not even about, everyone says, oh, it's uh, his dad's wealth, but they're doing it. They're doing it off sponsorship. You know, yeah. but he's four ta- He's worth four times as much as Vince. If we're going to get into personal wealth, uh, right. Shad-, Shad Khan is worth the money. But I tell you what, I tell you what, show will do amazing. Uh, they obviously own Fulham Football Club. They've got to do the big pay per view over here because of that. Oh yeah, I, I. You know, I was in attendance for SummerSlam '92. I was at Wembley Stadium. I was there. I'm uh, six years old. On down on down on the bus with my dad five hours to London. I was there. Should have been a bit oh, old. Man. Should have been a bit older. 
loved it, but six years old, you know, a lot of stuff left my mind. But I think when they do this big show, RGT, over here, I think it's going to, I think it's really going to do big numbers. Oh, yeah, because they haven't, they haven't left the US yet. No. And they were meant to come, they were meant to do the Albert Hall before, before COVID. It was all, it was all booked. It was all booked like AEW meant to do Royal Albert Hall. They were going to tour. And it'll be a pay-per-view, I guarantee it. Oh, yeah. That's forcing Triple H's hand and Vince's hand because they they downplayed the fact that they were going to come back here and do a pay per view. They said there's not a market for it, but I've heard yeah. I've heard WWE now want to come in because they know it's competition, as you you said so eloquently yep. earlier. I mean, but like I said, I always I always love competition, but I I honestly feel bad for Triple H because while you know you could say whatever about him as a wrestler i really enjoyed him some of the booking decisions yes but i mean at the end of the day no matter who he is he's not the final say in the booking decisions he could bitch and moan all he wants but at the end of the day vince is the one who decided we're going to do this reign of terror that lasts forever and you know you're going to beat booker t you're going to be RVD, all this stuff. And to me, that's just more Vince hating that you know, WCW and ECW to an extent existed and more so than Triple H. But I've always thought Triple H is a great mind for the business. He obviously loves and breeds it. But I feel like his power is just diminishing by the day and his pull in WWE is just diminishing by the day because NXT was his baby. And I honestly feel like NXT. I honestly feel like he probably didn't want NXT to go up against AEW because he understood that you know it probably wasn't going to work out because you have a flagship show versus essentially what is the C show. And then when they rebooted NXT, it's obvious that he had no say or pull in it whatsoever. And it's just like you got to wonder what's what's going through his head because now. Now he's just like, what is he doing? He's just essentially a corporate stooge, I guess. And I feel like he thought he would have more, he would have more control. And I think it would be a better product. Cause if you look at NXT during its heyday, when triple H was running it, it was great. It was great. It was pay-per-view. It was, uh, you know, the three or four pay-per-views a year that they did. It, yeah. it eclipsed, it eclipsed the main roster pay-per-view. Right. The night before, didn't it? It's time, yeah, time and time did. again. All those time takeovers and stuff. Unbelievable. Amazing. I tell you what, I was in San Jose for uh, 31, and I couldn't get a ticket for NXT the night before, and I wanted to see the revival and uh, Jordan and Gable. And, yeah. and I was watching it on my phone at the apartment in America. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't paying $300 for a ticket. That's what the right, resale yeah. was, you know. Oh, man. And I'm sat there. I'm literally down the road. But, um, you know, that's the story for another day. Right, I've got to move away from wrestling. I'm conscious of your time because I know you've got loads to do. Uh, I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw some console names at you, and I want like yeah. a sent I want a sentence. But I'm gonna start off with the Wii U, and I'm gonna extend off that. Why did the Wii U fail? Why did the Wii U fail, and the Switch has eclipsed it? Because the the Wii the Switch is what the Wii U was supposed to be. I feel, and I feel like because when you look at the Wii U and you look at the Switch they're obviously kind of similar in concept. Just you can't take that game pad with you. And I feel like the Wii U was sort 
sort of a, a rushed project because of the steady decline of the Wii. Because mm. the Wii was hot and then it, it literally fell off a cliff and like nobody was buying it. Nobody was buying any software for it. So they had to do something different. And I really feel like the Wii U was rushed. It was a good system. But even Nintendo themselves didn't really support it good. I mean, there were huge, there was, you know, a six-month drought, you know, a couple months into the launch of the system where there was nothing that came out for it. So, you know, it was, it was, the writing was on the wall from a very early time frame with that system. But I, I appreciated it for what it was. Like, I thought it was cool. Switch, the Switch, like, imploded. I'd even say, I know it came out in 2017, what little I know, and I go off the basis of what you guys put out. And uh, the, the Switch, the Switch did fantastic through the pandemic, didn't it? You know, sales, oh. sales, you couldn't get, you couldn't get a Switch in, in Europe, in the UK. Uh, it, I, I love it. I think, I think it's amazing. Can't believe I didn't get one. Yeah, like Animal Crossing sold 30-something million in the pandemic. Like that game came out at the perfect time because you couldn't go live a life outside. So you make this life with an animal crossing and like everyone was buying it. Everyone was playing it. It was crazy. What, what about, what about the PlayStation in, in uh, what, what are your thoughts on what they've been doing? Cause I don't know. I'm not in the loop. I am not in the loop. I was a 16 bit sort of guy. I was a Nintendo 64 guy. I was a PlayStation guy, you know, um, I would say the, the PlayStation 5 is probably right now the most pointless system I own because there's nothing for it. You know, the, the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X were obviously rushed out. You know, they could have extended the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One longer. There's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it because you see a lot of PlayStation 5 games that were supposed to be PlayStation 5 exclusive, games like Gran Turismo 7, Horizon Forbidden West, um, God of War, that were supposed to come out this past year that had no chance in hell of coming out this past year. Anyone with a brain knew that it was just a lie in marketing. And those games were also supposed to be specifically designed for the PlayStation 5, but there's also PlayStation 4 versions of them coming out. So I think... If you ask me in three months, I'll, I'll love the PlayStation 5 because there's a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. coming out for it. But this year, like, you had, you had essentially had three games. You had Deathloop, which I was not interested in. You had um, Returnal, which I was not interested in. And then you had Ratchet & Clank, which I was interested in. Great game. Loved it. Beautiful game. But it didn't really do all that much as far as expanding the genre of platformers or anything. But it was, it was a very good game. And then with the Xbox, you while there wasn't marquee titles, you had things like Game Pass where new games were being added in there and you could check out those games. And then, of course, Halo Infinite, they just dropped the multiplayer for that. So, like, that's all I've been doing is playing Halo Infinite. It's, it's mad. It's mad to think that's they're the two consoles with the, you know, the processors, the, the quality graphically and the Switch. The switch is is what it is. It's probably behind in in terms of this oh, is me. This yeah. is this is me from the outside looking in. You would think the one with the power and and you know the, the palette of what what it's got and the switch. The switch is basic against them. Am I am I wrong in thinking that? No, I don't know. I don't know. You're, you're completely right. But if you look at uh, uh, systems throughout the years, throughout the decades, the most powerful system is never the best selling system ever uh if that was the case the atari jaguar 
would have been a success. The N64 was outsold by the PlayStation 1. The Nintendo GameCube was more powerful than the PlayStation 2. PlayStation 2 mopped the floor with it. The Nintendo Wii was very successful against the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360. It was a full generation behind in terms of graphics and capability and stuff like that. It's just, you know, graphics matter to an extent, and I do definitely think Nintendo needs to refresh the Switch hardware. I don't necessarily think it needs a, a successor, but they need something that's a little bit more powerful that could do like 4K output, maybe um, artificial upscaling and things of that nature. But, you know, power isn't indicative of the best in, in video games because if a system is powerful, but it's not selling, nobody's going to make games to utilize that power because it's too expensive. This is me just not knowing. <laughs> this is oh, no, no, you're fine. You're fine. This fine. is why I'm asking you. I'm so, uh, you know, I play football manager. I play soccer manager. <laughs> I play soccer manager on my phone. That is the extent of it. And plus the missus won't let me have a console anymore. She says, you're doing, oh. your, you're doing your podcast and all that. But I, I think just like staying more current, um, the Switch OLED, the Switch OLED. Um, it's quite topical actually for me because uh, my nephew got, the switch in October and my brother-in-law was saying, do I need to get the OLED? And I said, I I don't think it necessarily matters. Was I right in telling them just to go for the standard? I mean, the only thing that the OLED really has is if you play a lot in handheld mode, the screen is definitely a lot better on it. I just, I just recently got an OLED actually. I remember you saying you're waiting for it actually. Well, I never, I never got that one. I actually got one off of a, I bought one off of a friend who happened to, (laughs) Uh, pre-order an extra one but um i mean it's definitely not necessary i do think that the future could be interesting though because right now all that does is it has a better screen on it Mm -hmm. for portable mode that's it but it also comes with a dock um you know whereas so like this dock here is essentially nothing this is this is the standard nintendo switch dock it's essentially nothing it allows you to plug in your ac adapter a usb thing and your hdmi out there's no technology in this there's no processor in this that's it whereas with the new dock um it has a built-in ethernet port if you want to use ethernet but what's interesting about the new dock is the fact that the new dock actually has stuff inside of it to receive firmware updates so I almost feel like that new dock, because realistically, I feel the Switch OLED was just rushed to the market and they wanted to do this 4K revised Switch, but they ran out of time and they just wanted something out for this holiday season. Because I feel like with the dock that comes with that system, having the ability to be updated via firmware, you're obviously doing that for a reason. And what's interesting about that dock is it works with any current Nintendo Switch. So if you have a current Nintendo Switch, you could just plug it into that dock. And if or when anything comes feature-wise for that, as far as utilizing the television is concerned, like I, there's so many variables and there's so much, there's so many things we don't know, even though the system has been out, uh, the dock has been out, you know, for a month now and, you know, people have torn it down, but it's, it's all about the utilization of it. So there could be something with that dock because to me, it's like, What's the point of changing it and adding it to where you can update the actual dock if you're not going to do something with it? Why wouldn't you just use the standard one that you've been using the whole time? I'm sure you have a warehouse full of them. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future as far as piecing together, that, you know, your own sort of system. It all boils down to that, doesn't it? As you say, you know, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a market is wet dream. <laughs> as we, yeah. You know, 
But yeah, my nephew is happy with his Mario Party. I'm waiting for the new Mario Party. But uh, yeah. I have got them. Uh, the two nephews have got Mario Kart Eight because they've not got it. My eldest nephew. So yeah, that's that's what I'm doing with that. And I mean, that's how it would be. Like most kids wouldn't really care. It's just for it, really just the old men who are still playing games are like, I want more power. I want something a little bit stronger. I want this game to run a little bit better. So, I mean, it, it would still be a niche market, but I, I think they're, I honestly feel like they're going to expand into sort of like a more, you know, cell phone based thing where you have these refreshes of cell phones that come out all the time, but they're still within the same family. They're still within the same ecosystem. They all still do the same thing. It's just this one's a little bit faster. This one's a little bit better. This one screens a little bit better. This one has a little bit more processing power, so it goes faster and things of that nature. So it'll be interesting to see, though. Absolutely. absolutely. PlayStation 2 is still the biggest seller anyway of all the... Oh, yeah. That, that'll, that'll never be topped. Uh, yeah. Never. Which... It's different era, different era, wasn't it? It's just the way we consume stuff. It was, it was the in, it was the in thing, wasn't it? DVD. It was the weak, it was the weakest system out of the three. <laughs> and it's and Xbox and the GameCube were much stronger. And, than the PlayStation Two, and, and that's the that's the naivety of me saying, well, you know, RGT, that's got no, the, it, that that's got the most power. That will, but as you say, it all, it's all down to developing as well. It's the developers. Yeah, it's all, it really, it boils down to the software. And, you know, you could have the most powerful system in the world, but if people aren't utilizing that power and making great games for it, nobody cares. Right. Before we go, because we've gone on, we've gone on quite a while. I've asked a lot of stuff. I'm going to go back. We're going to scoot back and do a full 360. We're going back to the wrestling. RGT's favorite matches. And I'm going to give you, you, you've got free. You've got free, my friend, free. This is tough. I right. know, I know, I know. It's when people ask me to do a Mount Rushmore of wrestlers and I could give 50 at least. Hogan versus Warrior at WrestleMania 6. Because that was just, you know, match quality-wise, it was nothing. But the story and the drama, just such an amazing, amazing thing. Um, RVD versus John Cena. At one night stand mm. to was it one night stand two I believe it was yeah two thousand six yeah yeah yes yes it was uh, uh, once again that was a really good match though but the story behind it was just absolutely amazing and you know what this probably won't hold very well but this is a match recently that I absolutely loved um, Nick Gage versus uh, Chris Jericho on Dynamite <laughs> a, a death match. <laughs> A, a real death match with light tubes and glass panes yeah. on national television with 50 something year old Chris Jericho still bringing it. Like I could, I've watched that match a hundred times back. And every time I watch it, I'm just like, I can't believe this. I had the newfound respect for Nick Gage. I know you spoke about him earlier, uh, watching dark side. Cause death, yep. ma- death match wrestling isn't my sort of thing. You know, I, I hold my hands up, but I have got a newfound respect, you know, the fact like you know the prison he was in prison uh, yep. the fact that the bloody ambulance had to come to the indie show where he was nearly dying it's like <laughs> well he died he died on the helicopter <laughs> it was like it's it's just that it doesn't bear thinking about does it but yeah i i had a newfound respect for him uh you know rightly or wrongly that he ended up in prison uh right. I, was like, I was like i don't give a fuck about this nick gage watch dark side and i was like bloody hell i've got 
you found respect. And he, he can actually wrestle like a normal match too. Like he doesn't need to do death match. He's done like he wrestled Tessa Blanchard of all people, like in a, in a very good match. But I mean, I think he just genuinely likes that style. So that's what he does. Right. One more, just one more before we go. Uh, greatest, greatest tag teams. Cause I didn't agree with the, with the WWE networks rundown no disrespect to the new day and i know they've been together since 2014 how the fuck did the new day end up in the top three and why know. why were the heart foundation third because i'm a favorite of all time yeah um so top three tag teams yeah before we go okay one that many wouldn't have but if you watch the matches they were fucking awesome rvd and sabu astonishing astonishing stuff granted they weren't technically you know i'll put them as an honorable mention because they weren't really a long-running tag team i'll put them as an honorable mention um tag teams uh the rockers the steiner brothers and i'll probably catch heat for this but i don't care the outsiders just because Mm -hmm. the outsiders were cool that was the f- that that them the outsiders and stone cold made wrestling cool they brought it to the mainstream because before then it was like oh wrestling that's nerd stuff but then when the nwo and by extension like stone cold and the rock you know started blowing up everyone was watching wrestling it was huge. Everyone wanted to know what was going on. You would walk, you'd walk into a fucking grocery store and see a knockoff NWO t-shirt there. <laughs> I remember I bought one. It was a glow-in-the-dark NWO Jesus black and white Christ. t-shirt. How the fuck? How the fuck? Yeah, but that's it, isn't it? It's 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 if any way to make money, isn't it? I'm surprised you didn't say Legion to do more demolition. I, I, I really, I mean, it's 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 very hard. It's very hard. It to, is. It's so hard because I I love the Legion of Doom, but I don't know. I, I I just like the Steiners a little bit more, and demolition demolition was awesome. And oh man, maybe I should have put one of them in there. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it's just it's hard because I mean, there's just so many. There's just so many great tag teams from that era and even the modern era i mean you've got you know penta and phoenix i think they're fucking phenomenal the young bucks are phenomenal the hardy brothers like you know there there's so many that would have to get left off but for me new day they might see because new day is hard to me because essentially it, it's the free bird rule and so that kind of makes it weird i feel but even if we're taking into account free bird rule stuff i would put them in top 25 but like beyond that, I don't, I don't know because they, while they are a tag team, they've always felt more like, and I, I get that there's like you know they're they're really good friends on and off camera and all that stuff. I always felt like it was just you know they were individuals put into a team more so than a, a team team, which is strange because they dress the same and you know it meets the the previous criteria for what a tag team is. But I always felt like their single stuff once they started to expand into the single stuff, it always overshadowed the tag team stuff. And the tag team was more of an afterthought. But I guess that's also because of just how WWE is. So, whatever. It's subjective. It's subjective. It is. Right? It is. We, we, could, we could talk all day about this. But yeah, RGT85, like video content creator, where can the viewers and the listeners find you? Because I'm in podcast form as well. I'm in audio Very form. Nice. 
So where can we find you? I know where you are, but, uh, you know, my video gaming friends will love your channel. So, yeah, where can we find you? You can find me on RGT85, pretty much on every social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, RGT85 on YouTube. That's pretty much the branding I use for everything. So if you want to find me, pretty much just type in RGT85 into Google, and I'm sure some stuff will pop up, but just try to click on the good stuff because I'm sure there's questionable stuff out there. My guest today, my favorite video gaming contributor in terms of the socials, YouTube, his channel, RGT85, my guest for episode 99 of Stu's Wrestling Podcast. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. I had a fun time. A big thank you to Powered 4 TV for putting the episodes up on the on-demand service there. Big thank you to John Scott and Rich Crowhurst for all the support. Really appreciate it week in, week out. Nothing's ever a problem. Also, we're doing Powered 4 TV, Big Fight Weekly, the MMA and Boxing Show with my cousin, Rich and John. I've put on these first. It's been fantastic with that. Thank you to Chris Dutton again, as always, for the superb editing. I couldn't do this without him. And fantastic job once again. Thank you to Mike Angus for the intro, as always, to the show. You can find the Stu Dressing Podcast merch at WrestleMerchCentral.com. There is loads of stuff, lots of different items that you can get. Mergs, hats, face coverings, t-shirts, hoodies, even the new varsity jacket with embroidered Stu's Wrestling Podcast logo on it. Big thank you once again to Dean and the team for listing my products on there. Great work, great work. And we will see you soon for the next episode of Stu's Wrestling Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.